Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Athletic Aesthetic Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Candelor, but you may know me as VC2Art. If you follow me on social media or you followed the vlog here on my uh, YouTube page, which is this is the VC2Art YouTube page. So uh, this is where we'll be hosting this podcast as well as Spotify, iTunes and wherever else you get your podcast. So you can listen wherever uh, is most convenient for you. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. This is the intro episode. I, I just wanted to uh, introduce myself, let you know why I even want to do a podcast. Uh, and, you know, you might think this is just about customizing shoes or talking about football or uniforms or whatever you know me for and already follow along or however we've connected in the past. Uh, but this is a series of conversations that's more than just that. See, there's three main categories, I believe, of people who follow my work. There's people who love sports, there's people who love sneakers, and then there's people that are in the third group of weirdos like me who also make art for the first two groups of people that I mentioned. My sports friends want me to create uniform concepts, my sneaker friends want me to customize shoes, and my art friends want me to just talk about paint brands and complain about Instagram algorithms together. But if you put all three of those categories uh, together, this podcast is for you. Uh, but I'll probably, honestly, if you fit into all three of those categories, uh, you're probably one of the people that I want to reach out to to have as a guest on this podcast. So this podcast won't be just me. I'll be doing interviews um, with other artists, with other people involved in sports that bring the aesthetic into athletics. So hence the title of the podcast. My goal of this podcast is to bring these three communities together to look at all the things that creatively bring the world of sports to life and create this culture that we all love so much. But who cares about a podcast topic or theme if you don't know anything about the host? So let me walk you through what's brought me uh, to this point in my career, because honestly, sometimes I don't even know how I got here. Uh, and whether you find yourself here because you're just a fan of sports, shoes, or art, I think we can all agree that uh, no matter what our interests are, we all struggle with similar things uh, that have manifested into unique circumstances that have shaped our lives one way or another, positively or negatively. So one of the things I've always struggled with in my life is knowing where I fit in. I feel like I've always been on the outside looking in. And before I explain, you know, why I felt this way in my life, uh, let me first rewind just a little so you get to kind of see the full picture of what I'm talking about. So growing up, uh, if you would have asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and we all have those, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you? It's like one of the first things you ask like a kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, there were a few answers that I'd give you growing up, depending on the day that you asked me. Uh, but in my optimistic mind, I'd eventually get to do all of those things in my life. I never wanted to just be one thing. I always wanted to be able to do, you know, whatever I was passionate about and, you know, flow through life and do all these different things. And I feel like I still have that at my core in who I am, um, in my personality type. I, I want to do all the things before, you know, I leave this earth. Uh, and so the first answer you'd get uh, when I was a kid was that someday I wanted to be a monster truck driver. I, I was obsessed with monster trucks. I would go every year to the Monster Jam in Pittsburgh. I'd watch VHS tapes of Bigfoot highlights, Gravedigger highlights over and over until my parents were sick of it. It was like my version of Baby Shark back in the day. It was just on the TV, on repeat. I could tell you every driver, every truck, every... Um, you know, every fact about it. 
Now it's funny. I don't know anything about vehicles, but back then I could probably fix a monster truck for you. Um, and of all those, Bigfoot was my favorite before they broke off to do their own shows, like going to a monster jam, seeing Bigfoot and like knowing the history of that, like, it, okay, irrelevant. But anyways, um, I, I fell in love with monster trucks and I think it was mostly not just because monster trucks are loud and big, awesome as a kid, but I loved the design. I loved like the painting and the, and the different looks I would, I would, I was obsessed with Bigfoot because the blue color was so great. I loved it so much. So I was obsessed with things as a kid, even growing up just from like a design aspect before I even knew that that's what it was. So fill in the blank there for you, whatever it was that you were obsessed with growing up. Um, I don't know what that is. So maybe you can let me know, like, what was your, what was like the thing when you were a kid, if someone would have asked you like, this is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what was your answer? What was your go-to answer? I know for sure that monster truck driver was, was one of mine. Uh, and around the same time in my childhood, I would have sleepovers every Friday night at my pap's house. Uh, it was great. My parents would go have a date night out uh, to their bowling league, and I'd get to play with all my monster trucks and wake up in the morning, go to McDonald's for lunch. Uh, the The amount of McDonald's that I ate growing up, when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, you know, it's it's honestly astonishing that I'm still alive. But, uh, you know, nuggets and sweet and sour growing up was just like, that's just, that's, that's just living right there. That's just good stuff. Um but little did I know those sleepovers would not only be a fun night with my grandfather, but they would actually be where I'd be introduced to my love for creating art. Um, my great uncle lived with my pap because most of his life uh, he had lasting effects from the polio virus um, that kind of like, you know, didn't make him not independent, but it was just easier to live with my grandfather. So he was he was always there. Um, but man, he could paint like he was an incredible artist. And I remember one day he showed me a painting he did of this, uh, local guy to Pittsburgh named, you know, Joe Montana. I don't know if you ever heard of Joe Montana, but, um, he did a painting of him and I thought it was amazing. I was blown away uh, at a young age by how he could paint something like that and make it so realistic. So I asked if he'd teach me. I remember so vividly the first time when he told me, uh, just draw what you love. Um, I like really like hit me as a kid. I'm like, okay, well, what do I love? It's the first time I like started thinking like, what do I love? What do I love? Cause I wanted to draw what I love. Uh, and soon I found myself spending time at these sleepovers, learning shading techniques and perspective. Instead of playing with my monster trucks, I would stage them and, and I'd try to draw them. Uh, and you know, that was where it all started. And I found my spark. And over the next few years, as my interests changed and as I grew up, uh, the one thing remained the same that no matter what the interest was, I wanted to make art inspired by it. Um, and monster trucks shifted to Pokemon. I never really understood how to play the card game, uh, but I knew how to draw them. And I liked collecting them. And I remembered uh, that that was actually my first business idea. I would draw, <laughs> before I knew it was a business idea, I would draw my friend's favorite Pokemon characters out of this like book that I had uh, during class. A couple times I'd get it taken off of me, but I just I couldn't focus in class. I could only draw. It's all, like, all I wanted to do. Uh, and then I'd give them to them at lunch in exchange for their fruit snacks or Dunkaroos or whatever the snack was of the day. And, you know, as I was like thinking about this, I was like, do you guys remember uh, string things? That was like gold in my elementary uh, cafeteria. They were like these little like stringy fruit roll-up-y type snacks that were like on a piece of paper. Um, and it like had like a little design. You peel them up. Those were like my 
Like if you gave me a string thing, I was giving you free drawings for a week. And I think, you know, my Pokemon phase ended when I realized it was on TV at like 6 a.m. back then. I tried to get up early to watch after a few times. And I remember being like, yeah, screw this. Like, it's way too early. So I, I kind of like traded in the early mornings, uh, pretending to care about Pokemon in order to get snacks from my friends uh, for late nights watching WWF, uh, which is WWE now. But back then it was the Attitude Era of WWE World Wrestling Federation. And it was like... Unlike anything else on TV, uh, you know, that year I met a couple of friends in school, uh, Brian Skagline, shout out to my boy, and uh, Greg Crouch. They were <laughs> like my two best friends, and we were both obsessed. We were all three obsessed with uh, the WWF, and uh, you know, we, came, we became best friends. Uh, and I had also just started playing football that year. And honestly, none of my teammates were in my class. So I feel like I had like two major interests brewing. I had like this love for wrestling and love for football. But like none of those friends kind of overlapped. Uh, so when I'd be with my friends from school, we'd be talking about how like Stone Cold uh, like drove a beer truck into the ring last night or how Undertaker slammed mankind uh, through a cage match onto some thumbtacks or how Jeff Hardy did like a swanton bomb off a 30 foot ladder through a table or we'd be doing like our best like if you smell what the rock is cooking we be just like talking about wrestling all day every day in class but when we'd go to recess and I'd see some of my teammates on the playground because they were in other classes in the same school uh, as all the classes would come together after lunch um, you know, like during this time, I'd find myself with them talking sports, talking about Cordell Stewart and how he's better off staying a receiver, talking about Randy Moss and Chris Carter, like being the best receiving duo ever and how like John Elway wouldn't be able to beat Brett Favre in the Super Bowl and back to back years um, for the Broncos. Like it's just like all this like nostalgia when I think about this. Um, but it was like two separate friend groups. And so then after school, I'd go to, straight to my football practice. So found myself having two different friend groups. Um, you know, that I was very much invested in, but those groups didn't really uh, care about the opposite. You know, the, the wrestling friends didn't care about football and the football friends didn't care about wrestling, at least not like I did. But the one thing that uh, remained constant was uh, those words from my uncle that I mentioned earlier. It was it just draw what you love, you know, find the common thing that you love and draw it. And because I, I you know, no matter what I was interested in, I was always interested in art and creating. So you know, that's what I did. I started drawing wrestlers and I started drawing football players. And to my surprise, my wrestling friends loved my drawings of wrestlers and my football friends loved my drawings of their football players. Uh, and so, you know, it was in that time that it hit me that the, uh, the constant in my life was art. And I realized, uh, you know, at an early age that my art could connect me to any group, time or place, um, as long as my passion was aligned with it. So uh, then I went to middle school and uh, you know, man, was I confused as to where I belonged. Uh, you know, I was a year ahead of my grade. So basically, like, uh, my football teammates were all still in fifth grade. Uh, and my school friends who were into wrestling had evolved into skateboarding, video games, music, you name it. Um, all these things that, like, I, I didn't really connect with. It like, wasn't, like, crazy passionate about any of those. Uh, I just wanted to play football. But because I didn't have my teammates and... I didn't have my old school friends uh, from, you know, elementary when we you know, were into wrestling and all that. They were into new things. You know, I truly didn't know, like, where I fit in in this new stage of, like, middle school. Uh, you know, if I wore, like, skate brands, I'd get called a poser. And that was, like, the ultimate insult back then. 
Uh, so I went with what I knew. I started asking for jerseys for every holiday and birthday until I got to the point where I would wear a jersey, like a different jersey, NFL jersey to uh, school almost every day. I would have like this crazy rotation of jerseys. I just became known as the kid like wears jerseys every day. Um, and this is where my love for uniforms and like the design of uniforms kind of came in. You know, I, I always heard like the saying, I think my dad told me the first time, like the Deion Sanders saying of like, look good, feel good, play good. And, you know, as me growing up as a football player, I was like, you know, I, I want to emulate that. I want to, you know, embody that. So I started wearing the gloves and the sleeves and the cool socks and the, you know, you know, I started caring about what face mask was on my helmet and, you know, having a visor even before it was like allowed to have a visor and, you know, all the accessories and armbands and wristbands. And, you know, I wanted to look like my favorite players on Sundays when I was, you know, playing youth pop Warner football. So, you know, football became my identity and people knew me as the football player and I, and I loved it. But outside of the practices and game days, I didn't really have like a solid group of friends. I had my art. Like that's what I wanted to do when I wasn't playing football or in school. And I was okay with that. Um, I mean, I had, you know, teammates and friends and don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh, I was a loser. I didn't talk to anybody or whatever. My life's so sad. Like I'm not saying that I had friends, but I always kind of felt like, um, you know, there's always that one guy on like the fringe or like, he's like on the outside. Like he only like comes around every once in a while and, the whole time I'm hanging out with people, like I'm just trying to like catch up on their like inside jokes. And, you know, I just, I always felt like I never truly fit in with a group. So I said, you know what, let me focus on what I love. I'm going to become the best uh, artist and football player I can be. And I'll just focus on those things. But, you know, like as life goes, as, as soon as you have it all figured out and you know what you want to focus on, seventh grade rolled around and I, uh, I met this girl wearing a pink Betty Boop misbehaving shirt. At least that's what I remember her wearing. She claims that it wasn't what she was wearing. But, you know, she was looking all cute with her big brown eyes and smile. You know, it made me forget how to even, like, hold a pencil, let alone draw a picture uh, when I saw her. But, you know, we're married now, so I guess it was okay to be so caught up at the time. Uh, but this isn't a love story podcast, so I'm going to stop getting all romantic and, and get back to the story. But around the same time, you know, I met her and... and uh, you know, I started to grow up. And so fast forward a little and I ended up playing college football at West Liberty. And, um, you know, I was majoring in art at the time. And the, this was where, you know, the next kind of key moment in my life changed the trajectory and got me to where I am right now. And that was, you know, I kind of needed some extra cash. Like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but as an art major, there's not a lot of jobs that are like lined up when you're graduating. So you got to have a solid plan for after graduation. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have one right now. I know that I've always had faith that like, I'll figure it out with my art. I'll figure it out. I'm not going to force anything. I'm going to figure it out. So I needed, you know, some extra cash in the off season summers and all that from football. And I had already, I had already tried like every, you know, part-time job you could ever have throughout high school and college. Like I used to, I worked for a landscaping business, worked at Stephen Berry's. I don't know if you guys remember Stephen Berry's, but that was my first like retail job. I got some stories about Stephen Berry's. Maybe we'll talk about those later on the podcast. I served tables at Steak and Shake. Uh, one summer, I moved to Ocean City uh, with my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, Lindy. Um, and we moved there and lived there for the summer. I waited tables at the on the boardwalk at uh, this restaurant called the Dough Roller. So if you're familiar with Ocean City, I used to work at the Dough Roller there. But yeah, so I'm, I'm like, what do I want to do? Like, I just got to make some extra money. So I put in an application at the mall for two stores, Dick's Sporting Goods and Finish Line. 
which it's funny because those are the two people that are now associated with me are sports people and shoes people. And so I got both jobs. I got hired at both, uh, part-time at both, worked them both through the summer and uh, decided to stay on the rotation at finish line once a month for the discount when I went back to school uh, for football season. You know, then I graduated with zero plans as to how I could transition out of college into the real world with my, you know, my fine art degree that, you know, everyone cares about that. Like it's helps you so much. So I went full time at finish line and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to figure it out. I was never into sneakers really. Like I would never consider myself a sneakerhead. Uh, but I quickly realized how much I needed to learn about the sneaker world. Uh, when people would, you know, be coming in asking for like the Jordan four that came out that Saturday morning, you know, and I'd left to go in the back, come back, bring like a pair of like Reebok classics and be like, yeah, I got these in the same color. Do you want to try these on? <laughs> like these people would be looking at me like, bro, like, no, I don't want those. And so, you know, release day after release day, I slowly grow, you know, grew into this sneaker culture as, you know, I copped like pair after pair, turning my paycheck basically back into finish line every single week. Um, you know, and this was around the time that Instagram and uh, Twitter was really exploding too. So it kind of was feeding into that sneaker culture and like reselling and all this stuff. Uh, so it was a really new time on the internet. Uh, and in my free time, I wasn't really painting anymore, but instead I was using my, like this new knowledge I had of Photoshop to create like uniform designs, you know, and I saw it gaining some traction, posting it to my personal page. So that's when I started a separate account called UniEdits. And if you've seen my vlog, you've heard me talk about UniEdits, or if you've been following me since day one, uh, you have seen UniEdits. The UniEdits, uh, it exploded and my work was being shared everywhere by athletes, by celebrities. And in the early stages of Instagram, I grew to almost 20,000 followers. Uh, but at the time I had no idea how to monetize that. And so one day I was, you know, sitting at work, we were slow. And I remember my coworkers at the time, Sammy, uh, showed me this local guy in Pittsburgh who was customizing shoes for like celebrities and rappers and athletes and all this stuff. And I remember she was like, yeah, his name's Neil. He lives in Pittsburgh. And, uh, so I followed him on Instagram and I was like, you know what? I could do this. This, this looks easy. So I took a pair of my, uh, fire red Jordan fours that I, I look back now and I'm like, I wish I would have picked a different pair to, uh, try to customize for the first time. Um, cause I wish I still had that Jordan. Um, so I, could just, I guess I could just get a new one now, but man, like it's like my first retro pair. So I was like, should have picked a different one. But anyways, um, I just started painting them with regular acrylic paint and like sprayed this matte like top coat finish onto them. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea to make them durable. Uh, and I only painted one of the shoes. Like I, it took so long and I didn't even paint like, like I painted the left shoe. I didn't even paint the right shoe. And so I took it to work the next day and uh, I wanted to see what people would like kind of say about it. So I put it on the shelf and customer after customer would come in and be stopped in the track in their tracks uh, when they saw it de like demanding more information on this shoe that they like never saw before. Uh, one guy was like, yo, like these kind of look like the cookie monsters or something like that because they were like this blue and tan color and looked like chocolate chip. I don't even know what I was doing at the time. That dude even offered to buy them right there on the spot for like 500 bucks. And I was like, damn, like I wish I could sell these right now, but I couldn't because if you remember, I said I only customized one of them. It was just, I wanted to see how much traction they'd get before I committed to it. So, um, but I saw there was a market and they were willing to buy them. So I 
edited the you know the photo and mirrored the shoe to make it look like there was two of them. Uh, and I posted them and my Instagram blew up. There were articles, sneaker files was like a big article at the time they reached out. There's like all these different accounts sharing them. And my page just blew up as a sneaker customization page. Uh, now fun fact, if you go to China, like China websites and you just type in like, uh, Jordan Four cookie monster, uh, they'll come up like they've manufactured this shoe and this design. It's, it's it's a thing that you can actually buy like a fake Jordan with this design on it now, which actually makes me mad. I've talked about it before because they like use my name in the description as the designer. And I'm like, I don't see a penny for this. I don't need, I didn't sell you this design. Why are you using my name? Long story, not going to go there with this episode. So I, I knew I needed to get uh, serious. And um, back then, you know, DeJesus wasn't making tutorials on YouTube. Andalus wasn't having a channel. So I hit up the only other guy that I knew uh, that was in the game. My the, my friend told me about his name on Instagram at the time was Hippie Neil, and so shout out to him. He was kind enough to uh, show me the ropes, and you know we even collabed on a on a shoe. It was my first collaboration that I ever did uh, for one of the Refresh Pittsburgh uh, shoe conventions, and you know from that moment I I kind of never looked back. Uh, now that doesn't mean that it's been easy ever since. Um, you know the mall clothes that I worked at. Uh, finish line and um, I had to take several jobs over the years to support my family uh, you know I was a car salesman graphic designer caretaker and event coordinator paint and sip instructor youth director you name it I did it um, but I've always made time since then to stay in a creative state whether it was through uniform design or through sneaker customization uh, because I always felt that um in the uh, in the community of people who supported me, it was kind of split. So like I was always leaning into into my artwork, uh, one way or another. No matter like I said, if it was in uniform design or sneakers or whatever it was, I just tried to find a way because I knew that it would come back around. And so, uh, you know, my goal is to use this podcast as a way to bring us all together into one conversation, uh, where the people that are into sports can be also into the arts and the aesthetics that go into making the sports look cool and fun. So, uh, if you're here and you have listened this far, this is the intro. You kind of know me now. I kind of know you We're you know, we're chilling, we're vibing. And I want you to come back because I'm going to have some guests on this podcast. Uh, this is going to be monthly. I'm going to drop this right here on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. I'm going to try to get this on like all the other platforms for spot uh, for podcasts as well. Uh, so however you listen, um, please subscribe to that to the channel on whatever feed you listen on. That's the only way that this thing is uh, going to be sustainable and be able to grow. Uh, I'm definitely committed to doing a whole first season, but if this thing is is growing and whatever, we'll, we'll renew this and we'll keep it going. So I, I plan on having a lot of fun with this. I want to meet a lot of you through the process, uh, uh, you know, of doing this. We're going to be doing a ton of really cool things and having a you know having a, a lot of unique conversations with people. Um, so yeah, if you're here and you haven't already, please subscribe. Please subscribe it means the world. Share this with somebody. Uh, text it to them and say, hey, you know, episode one is coming up. And, you know, if you subscribe, you'll be here for it. So uh, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everybody who follows me on social media or, has, or who has reached out uh, at some point or shared my work. Uh, it means the world to me as well. So appreciate you guys being here. This is just the intro. We're just getting started. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is the Athletic Aesthetic Podcast, and I'm looking forward to where this is going to take us together. See you guys.